If you haven't been with us in this Christmas Advent season so far, we're in a series called Go Tell It on the Mountain, Unopened Gifts of Grace. And we've been talking about this idea that there are the gifts of Christmas, of hope, joy, peace, and love that are these beautiful things we experience in and through relationship with Jesus, and that there are so many people who we interact with in this world who do not realize that these gifts are there for them. They're like a gift that was purchased already that they have yet to open. And so our goal in this series has been talking about the importance of these gifts that we have, but also a a little bit of a kick in the pants to say, what would it look like to actually, as the song says, go tell it on the mountain, like let everyone know through our words, our actions, our attitudes, our deeds, that Jesus Christ is born, that there are these things here for us. Last Christmas, I had an incredible dad win. So my youngest son, Silas, um, was wanting to figure out things to put on his Christmas list. And somehow, through our conversation, um, I brought up to him, because my boys are really into video games and we have a Nintendo Switch, um, that maybe a skateboarding game called Tony Hawk would be good. Thank you. Ultimately, this ended up being his choice. Um, A a fat man with a beard came through. You can decide if that was me or Santa. I don't know. Um, But anyways, we got that game. It's brought so much joy into our household. But um, Tony Hawk is one of my favorite follows on social media. I don't necessarily follow a ton of celebrities, but um, Tony Hawk is arguably the greatest skateboarder, at least the most recognizable, famous skateboarder of all time. And there has been toys made for him. There has been lots of shows and movies and video games. And so he's a pretty um, popular person. And, And for quite a while there, he was on things like Got Milk commercials, if you remember those, and he was a Gatorade athlete and all these sort of things. So a fairly recognizable person. One of my favorite things is on occasion he will share stories on Twitter and things like that, or X, I don't know. I'm still calling it Twitter, I don't care. Um, Where he has had interactions with people like um, an airline um, uh, checkout person or uh, a person in um, uh, the drive-thru at a restaurant where they'll say like, T-Hawk, kind of like Tony Hawk, (laughs) wonder what he's up to. And usually his response is like this. Because there's all of these people who interact and they see the last name Hawk and they think of him and they don't recognize him. And it got me thinking about um, how often, um, even in sort of the Christian world, even in the church, we talk about certain things that honestly, if we saw it in person, we wouldn't maybe recognize it. And we would wonder if this is the real thing. We'd wonder what it actually requires. And and today we're talking about peace. And I oftentimes think that peace is one of those things that we, um, we wouldn't recognize it even if we saw it. And so much of it is because we have these ideas of what peace does require. And oftentimes the things that we believe that we need, that we require to experience peace in our life, are not what the Bible teaches us we need for peace. And also there's some things that that we do need in our life to experience peace, that if we're honest, are things that maybe we're not as into doing. And so this morning, what I want to do with our time is I want to talk about what is peace from a biblical standpoint? What, what does the Bible teach about peace? What does Jesus point us to as um, what peace is? Then we're going to talk about what, um, what peace does not require, and then we're going to talk about what it does require, and then we're going to talk about how we need to go tell people about it. Sound good? All right, so peace uh, comes from a Hebrew word, shalom, and a Greek word, enere. 
in, in, in peace in English, oftentimes when we say peace, we think about like peace. We think about an absence of war and conflict and things like that. And, and, and that is part of peace. But the, the concept of shalom in particular, which we find um, 397 occurrences of it in the um, uh, Old Testament alone, uh, is this topic that has far more to do with not just a lack of conflict or war or things like that, and it has way more to do with this idea of something being complete or whole, something having harmony or soundness. Um, one of my favorite um, uh, kind of biblical um, pictures that I've heard scholars talk about is almost like a, a perfect wall that has no blemish, where everything fits perfectly and it brings a sense of order and protection. And so when we talk about this idea that Jesus came to bring us peace, that he is the prince of peace, really we're not just talking about him ending wars for all time. We're talking about him bringing quite literally a sense of wholeness to our lives. And we just did a series uh, not very long ago called Ordering the Chaos. And we, we talked about these realities that are unsurprising, right? That so many people lack a sense of peace or shalom in their lives. And that there are things that are outside of their control that they, they dwell on too much and allow to rob their peace. And there are things that internally are happening in their life, in their choices, that they make poor choices that lead to it. Regardless, I believe that, that shalom, peace, is one of the most um, important and beautiful gifts that we receive through relationship with our God. And here's the thing, when I think about though the source of it, it doesn't have to do really with your actions, it doesn't have to do with things that you do, it really has everything to do with entering into the presence of God. And peace is only possible because of God's presence. The only way that we can have lasting, true peace has really very little to do with the things that we do and so much to do with who we encounter, who we engage with, who we spend time with. And so I, I, I want to walk us through in particular how Christmas, in the very first Christmas, in the foretelling of Christmas, really points to this idea that, that, that ultimately God would bring a, a finality to peace and shalom and wholeness in our lives. Now, arguably, probably the most famous um, verse uh, about Christmas comes from uh, Isaiah chapter 9, and, and we sang um, in, in the song, uh, we're kind of tagged at the end, uh, his name shall be. Um, this is what it describes, this, this framework for who the Messiah would be. It says this, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, I, I, I love this, this picture of, of who this God will be. That he will be someone who is a wonderful counselor, who can sit with us and bring us a sense of calm when we feel chaos. That he is a mighty God that regardless of how big and scary things are in this world, we can be reminded that God is bigger than anything. My oldest son, Gideon, loves to ask impossible questions while we're driving, oftentimes right before I drop him off at school. Um, the other day, um, our whole family was driving, and I think Gideon asked something to the effect of like, what's the most powerful thing ever in the world? Which is like, well, that's quite the big, and obviously the, the easy Sunday school answer is God, right? But it's true. The most powerful thing in the world, there is nothing bigger and more mighty and more powerful 
than the God of all creation and all world. He is an everlasting father, that his reign and his love and his relationship with us has the possibility, if we so choose to enter into it, to be something that lasts forever. We don't have to have this fear of an end to it. And he is the prince of peace. He brings peace and wholeness and goodness everywhere he goes. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, when, they, when we read the, the, the first Christmas, this is a, a bit of a, a, um, a callback or a quotation from the book of Isaiah. It says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to the son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, we oftentimes underestimate, undervalue, underappreciate this concept of Emmanuel. Like when I think about how incredible Emmanuel is, I, I think about God is the most powerful thing ever, right? Like he could just be like, this is done. He doesn't have a wand, but if he wanted to, you know, he could, he could send millions of angels to do all his bidding. And when I think about how much he loves us, how much he desires for us to experience peace, wholeness, shalom, his great desire in dealing with this problem that we created, by the way, is to send himself, to quite literally be with us. And here's one of the most beautiful things about the story of Christmas is that God's presence changes things and makes peace possible. You know, there's the old saying, no God, no peace. No God, no peace which is so true. And so this morning, I want to talk about this because one of the things that's so interesting and fascinating to me is how much God created our physical bodies in a manner that reflects some of our theological needs. Um, I, I, was, I was texting with one of my friends this week named Eric, and Eric is a, um, a, a counselor, and he, he works a lot in particular with um, young people who are going through um, anxiety and depression and things of that nature. And we, we were texting and talking about how interesting it is. I, I wanted to fact check with him, and he, he backed up um, what, I, what I read before, that it is crazy how we are neurologically wired. Our brains are wired to need and desire connection. And not only that, when we experience connection and, and, and like presence with others, quite literally, chemically, it produces good things in our body. Like we begin to experience a sense of stress calming down. And it's this beautiful reminder that God literally created our body to do the things that he calls us to do, which is to be in relationship not only with one another, but with him. And so one of the awesome things to me that, 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 that is incredible about God and his creation, how nothing is wasted, nothing is over, um, not thought through, is just this reality that if we want to experience peace in our life, if we want to experience calm, one must be in the presence of others, but in particular in the presence of God. Now, one of the awesome things too is that you might say, well, like, that's cool that Jesus came, but he's not physically here anymore. One of the awesome things how God thought through everything is I love these words from Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 14 when he said this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled 
and do not be afraid. One of the things I love about this is, is Jesus is constantly in his teaching um, kind of comparing and contrasting what the world gives versus what he gives. And, and here's the thing. Today, what the world oftentimes gives to us are small moments of therapeutic ecstasy where we experience a bit of a break from the realities of our life. But they're momentary, right? And don't get me wrong, I'm all for like take a self-care bath or like a nap is wonderful. Jesus did it often, even in the middle of storms. But oftentimes I worry that we seek a sense of peace from external things that really can't transform our heart the way that Jesus can. And oftentimes we, we go from one thing to another, from one relationship to another relationship, from one hobby to another hobby, from one addiction to another addiction, hoping that those things would bring a sense of wholeness and completeness to our life that only relationship with Jesus can bring. Because ultimately, all the other things that might bring us a momentary sense of calm and ease and feeling like life is okay, ultimately will we'll fade away. It's why, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians, he, he, he teaches us this, that a follower of Jesus who has the, the Spirit of God who lives inside of them, that we should rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is this reminder. We do all of these things because God is near. And then he says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I think we underestimate how much when we actually act like Jesus is present in our life, actually communicate with him, how oftentimes things go better. Can I confess to you guys that oftentimes my natural reaction is not to stop and pray, not to stop and thank, not to rejoice always. Usually my first responses are to freak out, to try to fix it myself, to yell Hebrew words that probably sound like swear words in English, because maybe they are, into the, the great beyond. And yet, oftentimes, none of those things actually bring any sense of calm or joy or hope or peace in my life. If anything, they oftentimes feel like I'm throwing gasoline on a fire that's already burning up in my mind and my heart. And yet there is something, actually what's, what's wild is, 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 again, science even in shows that things like prayer and meditation actually bring down the sense of stress levels in your body. It physically helps us, which is wild and so cool that God thought of all of this stuff, which should be surprised. He's God, right? So the rest of our time this morning, what I want to talk about real quick is, is some things that peace doesn't require, because I, I worry sometimes we think to have peace, we, we need certain things. And then I want to talk about some of the things that we need to do if we really want to experience peace, okay? Here's the first thing that peace doesn't require. Peace doesn't require all the answers. How many of you are a person who wants to have all the answers? Anyone? How many of you are lying and just don't want to raise your hand? Thank you for your honesty. You know, it's interesting, right? There, there are different types of personalities. Some people are down for an adventure. Some people want to know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what color it's going to be. You fill in the blank. 
There's nothing wrong with, 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 with either personality. But, but I fear that oftentimes for us to feel like we have a sense of peace, we ultimately want to feel like we know what's going on. We want to know the answers. And one of the things that's really difficult about living in a world of um, brokenness and sin and decay is there is a reality that there is much of our life that we are going to encounter where there will not be good, tidy, neat answers to our questions. And in particular, the questions that we have that oftentimes eat at our soul, that ache at our heart, the medical diagnoses, the tragic losses of people, the end of, 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 of a job that we just didn't see coming. I read a quote from a pastor named Josh Howerton who said this, to get peace that passes understanding, I have to let go of my need to understand. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's this thing that we oftentimes refer to as faith. And faith is this thing that we oftentimes are, are taking a leap, right? And we're, we are trusting God to catch us. One of the things that is required in experiencing peace is trusting that God's got it. I oftentimes think about how there are moments where I, I, I try to remind my boys that they don't need to know every little thing, that they can trust mom and dad because mom and dad will take care of them, mom and dad love them, and mom and dad will, will make sure that whatever is best for them will happen. And it makes me think about how Jesus talks about how, how, how a good father on earth, if their son asks for uh, uh, a loaf of bread, doesn't give them a stone, or if asks them for, for, for a fish, doesn't give them a snake. And he says that if, if, if an earthly father does this, think about your heavenly father, how much more he will take care of you. And so here's the thing. Jesus taught a lot about this idea of don't worry. Don't worry about having all the answers just remember that you can trust the one who does. And he'll be with you through it all. Here's the second thing peace doesn't require. Peace doesn't require a lack of conflict. Now, here's not what I mean. This doesn't mean go picking fights. This doesn't mean looking to give people the people's elbow or hand gestures when they cut you off, okay? But oftentimes, I think some people think, man, if only there was a lack of conflict and, and, and stress and turmoil in my life, then I would experience peace. And here's what's the crazy thing, right? Scripture over and over again talks about this reality of peace being something that is not dependent upon our circumstances and our scenarios. Kind of like Pastor Cole talked about last week, that we can be joyful always, even in the midst of trials and temptations and things of that nature. In the same way, peace is one of those things that doesn't require those things. Now, of course, peace oftentimes helps us deal with those things. Peace oftentimes calls us to try to bring sense of resolution and, and restoration and reconciliation. But it's been wild. Some of the moments where I've had some of the toughest conversations in my life I've had peace. And not because I was necessarily in the right or that I was special, but because I knew God was with me. I knew that God could bring a sense of calm. I knew that I wasn't walking into a place by myself. I had backup, a pretty good backup. Peace doesn't require all the answers. It doesn't require a lack of conflict. And here's the last thing. Peace doesn't require 
total control. So many of us, going back to wanting the answers, want all the control. And some of it comes from a place of many of us probably have experienced disappointment and hurt. We've been betrayed. We've felt abandoned. And there's this reality that in our life, it is hard to want to let go and just trust. I think a lot of people, one of the reasons they don't follow Jesus is because they don't want to give up control. Because ultimately, to follow Jesus means to say, King of kings and Lord of lords, I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, but a throne is only made for one. It's not a love seat. And many of us need to get up and allow King Jesus to sit there. Peace doesn't require all the answers. It doesn't require a lack of conflict, and it doesn't require total control. You see, peace is not dependent upon your plans or your preferences or your predicaments. Peace is dependent on our relationship with Jesus. At the end of the day, what it all requires is relationship and allegiance to Jesus. We don't have to know everything. We don't need to control everything. We do have to trust So let me give you just a couple things that go along with this of how you can make sure that you enter into relationship with Jesus and his peace. Here's the first thing. Peace requires surrender. I've met a few people in in my life who who have explained to me that they are a follower of Jesus. And when I ask about, so like, what was your moment of coming to faith? What was your moment of surrender? Oh, I didn't. I've just always been. And there's this reality of, I, I understand maybe if you grew up in church and faith and you just kind of think you did, but there, there's kind of this moment that everyone has to have, and everyone's moment is different, but everyone's moment is the same, where ultimately we decide that we're going to completely surrender to King Jesus, that we're going to get up off our throne and allow him to sit there, that we're going to lay down our weapons in, in our sense of conflict to just allow him to be fully king. And a lot of us, again, we want to control things. We might start letting Jesus take over, and they're like, wait, 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 just hear me out on this one. And some of us this morning to experience peace, our first step is literally just to surrender. To say, Jesus, you are Lord, and I'm not. To seek his forgiveness. To, as the Bible talks about, repent, which means to just turn from. If you want to experience peace, you got to surrender. Here's the second thing. Peace requires a changed perspective and heart. In a similar way, I oftentimes um, have conversations with people, and um, oftentimes when they are in a spiritual journey, I, I want to ask questions about, so what has changed in your life? And every once in a while, I encounter people who are just like, not, nothing really. And it's like, ooh, how do I tell you something you're not going to want to hear? Which is this reality that if, if you would say that you're following Jesus, but nothing has changed in your life from before you would say you weren't following Jesus, I don't know who you're following, but it's not Jesus. There is this reality that to experience the peace, the shalom, the wholeness that comes only from Christ means to actually have your life, your activities, your attitudes change. And this is a slow process. This is a continual process. 
There constantly is this process, right? I had a friend this week who may have texted me about, like, do you think we could ever get a flood again for some of the people in this world? And it's like, woof. But also, I kind of get it. I got a list of people, maybe. I'm kidding. I don't. But there is this reality, right, that, that, that if we are not allowing Jesus to continue to change us, because so much of peace has to do with our perspective, so much of peace has to do with this reality that we can look out in the world and we can see people who continue to not live well, who sometimes you know, are, are outrightly harming people, and we can have some sense of, of, of reminding ourselves that I too once was a sinner, deeply in need of the grace of Jesus Christ, deeply in need of change in my life. And oftentimes the perspective of just realizing that Emmanuel, God is with me, automatically changes the temperature and the outlook of the world that I'm living in. Because I recognize that this isn't the end-all be-all. I recognize that he's the one who's in control, I'm not. I recognize that other people don't have to rob my joy or my peace. That I don't have to get so up in arms over things. I don't need to hold on to grudges and be angry. That I can ultimately have lasting peace and hope. And here's the third thing that peace requires. Peace requires consistent relationship with the God who wants to be with you. And major emphasis on this idea of a God who wants to be with you. There's so many people who I have met who their, their thought on who God is, maybe it's based off what they have heard in um, the media or, social media or social media, maybe it's from their experience with people who claim to be followers of Jesus, is that God is a God who's mad at me, who's distant, who's angry, um, who just wants me to follow a bunch of rules, and maybe someday, if, if I do, um, then I won't burn to death forever. Yet oftentimes, I, it is so cool to see people experience the true God, the real Jesus, the one who saw us in the midst of our chaos and our death and our destruction that we made on our own and said, I want to be there with you. Quite literally going to put some skin in the game. And man, is that really great news because again, we live in a world that is dark and is weary, a world that feels a sense of, of, of discontentment and anxiety, a world that feels a lack of hopelessness and joy. And we have the greatest news in the world. We literally know of the source of the greatest sense of peace. It's why Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's so many people who are walking around experiencing a life that feels really heavy, that feels scattered, that feels pretty bleak. We as followers of Jesus not only have the honor, but we have the calling to go tell people about what is going on because there are a lot of people who need to know about this peace that is available for them now. They need to know that the war is over. Let me tell one last story uh, before the band comes out and um, we, we sing one last song. 
1945, uh, World War II officially came to a close. All the, th- the things were signed, surrender had happened, and all this was going on. Well, in 1974, 29 years later, there were a couple of Japanese soldiers who were found in some islands near the Philippines still fighting the war. They had been on these, these islands, these remote places, and there had never been a chance for them to hear that the war was over. It took eventually uh, the, the ability for them to be told that this was true and to stop fighting. But can you imagine for 29 extra years, that feeling of always having your head on a swivel? I've never been in war, but I have to imagine there's an anxious feeling constantly of just being on edge of what's going on. There has to be a sense of, of hopelessness about like, are you kidding me? When is this ever going to end? Here's what's wild to me when I think about uh, that story. For 2,000 some years, there have been people who have continued to fight a battle, who are at a, a sense of war in their, in their hearts, and in many ways with God based off their actions or attitudes, who don't realize that the war's over. That, that Jesus has made a way that there is surrender for them, that there is hope, there is peace, that his love has conquered it all. And I believe that one of our mandates as followers of Jesus is to go out into this world and let them know that. That they can stop fighting this war They can stop having this conflict going on in their own hearts and minds. That peace is possible even for them. And it doesn't matter who they are or where they've come from or what they've done. That our Heavenly Father accepts them. That He came for them. That He died for them. And ultimately He did all of this because He loves them. Jesus said this in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. One of my great desires is to be a person of peace. That when I walk into a room, the shalom that God has placed in my life begins to spread around to those others who are there. And that ultimately, the way that we live our life and the way that we choose to be present with others may ultimately lead to others experiencing that peace. And this final thing I'll leave you with is just this, that being present to someone else may help them experience the presence and the peace of God. You never know what someone is going through. And you never know how many people maybe have never truly seen what true peace looks like through relationship with Jesus. We've got to go tell it. We've got to show it. We've got to live it. We've got to model it. We've got to be it. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for uh, the fact that we do not have to live a life on edge. Father, we don't have to deal with a sense of anxiety towards you. That, Father, we can know that you are good, that what you say is true, and that you are here. Father, I pray even in this moment that, that for some, maybe some who are like, I don't know if I've ever really experienced this. I don't know if he's just 
talking. Father, I pray that you would maybe even just in this moment, um, in, in some sort of supernatural way, in some sort of way in someone's heart, that you would, you would impress upon them just your presence in someone's life and your desire to be close to them and your desire for them to experience just a sense of harmony and completeness in their life through you. Father, I pray this morning that maybe there are some for the first time ever or maybe the first time in a long time, maybe the beginning today is just surrender to put you in your rightful place. And Father, I pray that they would experience a peace that nothing in this world can give them, that transcends their circumstances, their scenarios, their, their plans and their predicaments, everything that is going on in their life, that they would experience peace. And Father, for others this morning, Father, I pray that you would put a person on our mind and on our heart right now in this moment. Father, I know there's a couple that come to mind right now in my own, my own mind and my own heart. Father, this is just too good of news to keep to ourselves. Father, I pray that you wake us up in the middle of the night. I pray that you put a burden on our hearts to actually go and tell it, to share with people that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is a peace that transcends everything going on, all because of the great love that you have for us. So, Father, as we sing this last song, would you speak to us in any way you want to speak to us? Would you give us courage to follow after whatever you call us to? And would you just remind us that you are with us always? In Jesus' name I pray.